Welcome back, guys. Good morning. Hope you guys had a great day yesterday, because I did, and I bet you guys did too, because we had game two of the NBA Finals, and the Suns took a commanding 2-0 lead to get advantage of the home court, and uh, we got to see how game three is going to go, but we're going to talk about that later, but first thing we got to talk about is Giannis stepping up with 42 points. What are your initial thoughts on this? Well, it just further proves that he can be the guy on a, a championship team because I think if – I mean, we'll talk about it later, but if pretty much anybody else on the Bucks stepped up with him, they they probably could have won this game. I mean, 42 points, 12 rebounds, 11 of 18 free throws. I mean, it's not good by any means, but for Giannis, it's acceptable. You know, you're not going to – you're not going to be mad at him for making – what is that like 60 something percent? So, I mean, I'm still just waiting. If he can get the free throws to like 70, 75 consistently, he's going to be a even bigger problem for every team. Yeah. I think it was, I think one thing that we got to see last night is that that knee is okay. The knee is fine. He's good to go. And uh, like you said, Mike, some of these other guys, uh, if they had just stepped up, I mean, Drew Holiday went like, what, seven for 21. And then Chris Middleton had a pretty bad game too. So honestly, I mean, if any of these guys contribute just a little bit more, the Bucks probably win that game. But uh, it was a huge performance from Giannis. But uh, obviously last night we, we found out that that's just not going to be enough. I think that was the difference. 42 points. I mean, I think he silenced his haters, his doubters a little bit. Well, not a little bit. I think a lot. Because no one really – I didn't see this coming. I don't think you guys saw this coming, especially after game one where it looked like he was just testing out the knee. And with the, when he only had 20 points, though it shocked me that he played 40 minutes. I did not see that coming because he played 35 minutes last game. So I thought it would be the same around the same time. But 40 minutes – after the that, that that gruesome knee injury that he had, because to me, I thought he tore it. I think any other player or any other like anyone else, that's that's a torn ACL, torn MCL, torn something. Because the way it went back, it looked, it looked terrible. But I love the way he was aggressive. He was getting his turnaround fadeaway. He was getting he, that shot was going down. I think uh, DeAndre Ian has his hands full. Posting up with power, he was doing with finesse, and uh, Giannis is just—he's just proving why he was a two-time MVP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's go to the 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 other the other two: Chris Milton and Drew Holiday struggling. It's like you guys said, if one of these guys were to step up—not step up, but I say just make their shots. Then it could have, it could have, it could have. The game could have gone in a different direction, because to me, if they couldn't, they just couldn't get that run to get the lead. They were always there in striking distance, but just could. It's just they couldn't get over the hump. Chris Middleton, he just couldn't get. He couldn't get a shot going. And I saw, I saw for like some parts of the game, he was a little, a uh, little passive. Like he wasn't engaged as off as much as he has been in the playoffs. And then Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday was, Drew Holiday was, he was, he was aggressive. I'll, I'll say that. He was aggressive. And Michael, you know, like how I said, like the majority of the time last game, 
I'd rather have them overshoot than undershoot because that just shows that they're not complacent. They're not in the basketball is not in their head. They're actually just going out there and trying to make a difference. So Drew Holiday, I'm not worried about that much. I'm worried about him not making it, but I like the aggressiveness. Yeah, I thought the biggest thing was that. Oh, sorry, I go. No, no, go ahead. Uh, I, I thought the biggest thing was I even though those two guys did struggle, I thought Drew Holiday's defense was really good. I thought he was making a big impact defensively with the way he was causing problems for them. But what made me mad, and I said this last night in our group chat, I was going to go off on this, so here it is. I am just upset with Mike Budenholzer. And I, I guess you can put some of the blame on Drew Holiday too uh, because, honestly, I mean, I we, we all know that they struggled shooting the ball, but the problem here, in my opinion, was honestly with Giannis dropping 42 – I think the biggest problem was that they couldn't get stops. And it was that high pick and roll every single time. It was between Booker and Chris Paul. They just hand the ball off to whoever Connaughton was guarding, and they would just go at him. And it's not Connaughton's fault. I mean, those are two guys who are pretty hard to guard. But if you're Drew Holiday, I don't understand why you're not going over the screen and going with the ball handler, why you're not going with the ball. And I saw it too many times, and I don't know if that's his fault for not wanting to do that and trying to save himself for offense or if that's Budenholzer and his game plan. But things like that, I think, cost the Bucks the game last night. So that that particularly, the defensive side of the ball, not adjusting the way they should have, and it doesn't help that they couldn't score the ball that well outside of Giannis. My thing for the, like the Pat Connaughton pick and rolls, I think we're now seeing – like how important DiVincenzo was to the Bucks, because oh, yeah. that would have been DiVincenzo who could like, no offense to Connaughton, but can actually play defense like at a at a high level. But I mean, that's what Jesse and I talked about on on Wednesday. Like the pick and roll is the is the issue because on Wednesday they were just or on Tuesday when they played they were just targeting Bobby Portis. They were just switching whoever had Portis onto, and then he would be guarded by Chris Paul or Chris Paul would be guarded by him, and he would just tear him up. But for Middleton, I, I mean, like you said, Jesse Holiday, 17 points. I think that's kind of – that's like – that's enough from him. He did shoot really bad, but 17 is enough. He did a lot of extra stuff. But, I mean, this was a terrible game from Middleton. Five for 16, zero free throws, 11 points. Like, it's, I don't know what's going on with him. He's just not – this has not been his playoffs. He's just hot and cold every other game. So – I mean, he only had 16 shots, which I feel like for 41 minutes is a little low for for Middleton. But, I mean, his plus minus was negative 15. So, I think that says it all for him. So, I I, I want to piggyback on what Prabhat said about Mike Budenholzer. Because Pat Connaughton, I think there should have been an, an adjustment towards the end. I think I think personally that Pat Connaughton should have been taken out in the end because there were timely like errors that he made. He mm-hmm. missed he missed like two out of like four threes in the end, like crucial shots that he needs to make, wide open shots that he was given to him from that was kicked out to him that he missed. I think, and also that timely turnover when he tried to pass it out instead of shooting it. I want to say Jay Crowder intercepted it. That I think in those situations where you need a more reliable shooter like Bryn Forbes, because Bryn Forbes, I, I 
I'm not saying I'm I'm not trying to say that Pat Connaughton is a scrub or can't shoot. I think, but in that certain situation, Bryn Forbes, I think, would have been a much more reliable shooter and scorer rather than Pat Connaughton, who was struggling in that in those moments. Because Pat Connaughton, for his standards, he had 14 points, and I want to say he was he was four nine from for the three. That's not bad. Making four nine, that's not bad. But I think in those instances, Bryn Forbes would have made those shots, and he's proven before that he'll take and make big shots because. He was a product of the of the Popovich system, and those are still the shots that he is used to taking. So that's my two cents on the whole Boonholzer thing. Uh, Drew Holiday, great defensive play. One thing that stood out to me with Drew Holiday was when he had the jump ball on DeAndre Ayton. When he went up straight up vertically with them, that showed that that showed to me that he's he's locked in. Even though his offensive game couldn't really get going, he's locked in defensively. And uh, probably how you were talking about the pick and roll with uh, Drew Holiday in the beginning, he did show that he was going over the pick, and it was kind of it was a uh, it was causing some problems for Chris Paul. But like we've seen the whole entire playoffs, that pie pick and roll has been affecting everyone. Not just mm-hmm. not just the Bucks, but. Who knows what they're gonna what adjustments are gonna but that's gonna be our next topic. What adjustments do the Bucks have to make for game three to find to take one game? Because I think if they lose one of these one of these two games at home, I think the season the series is over. Yeah. They've got to win out at home. Uh the Suns are too good. If you give them a especially if you give them a three oh, I mean we already know that no team in NBA finals is or any team ever has come back from a three oh deficit. And then three ones only been done by one guy ever by the name of LeBron James. So I wouldn't count on it. You you have to win both at this point. If you don't win both, the series is pretty much over, I would say. So like I said, the, the biggest adjustment they have to make, and as the number one defensive team in the NBA this year, they've just got to fix that high pick and roll. I, I know it's easier said than done when you've got two guys like – CP3 and Book, who can pretty much score from anywhere. And by the way, CP3, he has been shooting lights out from three this series so far. He has looked great. But stuff like that, it makes it hard to guard. But they've just got to do something. If Budenholzer is going to try and find someone deep in the roster to make a defensive adjustment, I don't know who that could be. But I think that's what they have to do because I don't think the offense is their problem. I think they can get their offense from one through four with those guys. And then you can you can afford to have one guy who's just there primarily for defense. Move Tucker up. I don't know. But they've got to do something because it's just not working right now. Uh, other than that, I think, I think if they can just try and limit at least one of the two between Book and CP3, they have a good shot to win both games. But if both of those guys continue to just do what they've been doing and playing their game as they want freely without much to, like, you know, combat them offensively, I, I don't know how the Bucks can really get either of these in their homestand. For me, the biggest adjustment, it still has to be the pick and roll. I mean, that's what I said on Wednesday. And, I mean, I know Budenholz is not listening to us. I wish he would. But I mean, he's not—he's not hearing what we're saying. But like, it just—I mean, they do say it's like the most unstoppable play in basketball, but it's also the simplest. So there has to be some kind of formula that he can make 
being a like one of the top coaches in the league to try and battle it somehow. But another thing that that Jesse was preaching in the last series is I don't know why Brook Lopez, I don't know why he's only like on the three point line, especially in this series since we've seen that Jay Crowder is guarding him. He should be able to take him to the hole, post him up. That's what he did in game five against the Hawks, and he had 33. I get that Giannis and him both near the hoop will kind of congest it, but, I mean, they can take turns going in. I, those are two things that I would like to see at least. Yeah, I have two. I have two. So my, my first one is also that Brooke Lopez, that big that Brooke Lopez adjustment where – we gotta see him get more paint touches, and you understand that Giannis is is a liability from ten feet and out because he can't he can't make a consistent bucket, can't make a consistent shot. Most of his points came from inside the bath inside the paint with drives or like little dump off passes, offensive rebounds. But uh, to go but going back to that, I think Brook Lopez needs to assert himself more because we already see in this playoffs that how much of a difference maker he is when he is in the post, when he went back like, to Brooklyn Brook. So hopefully that Brook Lopez gets those touches. And if not, a name I want to see more out there is Bobby Portis. Because also like, like like Brooke Lopez, when Giannis was out, Bobby Portis stepped up big. And last night, Bobby Portis only had five minutes. I think if they are going to go to that small ball lineup, when Giannis is at the five, I think – Bobby Portis is a perfect four. And then you have Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and P.J. Tucker right there. I think that's a solid pick. I, I mean, that's another that's another thing that you could do with taking Pat Connaughton out instead of, instead of putting Bryn Forbes. You have just because Bobby Portis, to me, he's a big body. He's physical. He's not afraid to play defense if you get the switch on him. Even though that Chris Paul and Devin Booker did score on him, you got to think about it. He was there on multiple times on defense. It's just those guys are great shot take and makers, and they make difficult shots. So I would I would like to see Pat uh, Bobby Portis out there more and Brooke Lopez to get more touches. Those are my two adjustments. Now let's go on the Suns' perspective on this. So Devin Booker shined with 31 points. Is he in the discussion for MVP now? Also, Chris Paul. Or who who would you guys give the lead to right now after game two? I would say right now I would still say it's CP just because he had a really really good game one, and I think that kind of set the tone for the series. And he was still pretty good last night too. I think he had twenty three or twenty one and eight. So uh, I, I would still say CP's there, but I think Devin Booker is right there in the running with it for him. Uh, he's. I talked about how good CP3's been shooting the three ball. He's right there. He's been shooting lights out. It seems like anytime you give him just a little bit of space, if that if your hand is right isn't right in front of that ball, it's going to go in. He he doesn't need that much space to get a bucket and I think honestly, you could argue that last night was probably one of his best games of the playoffs the way he shot it. He just looked really good. Um and he he just looks ready for the moment honestly. He doesn't look phased by the finals. Uh, I mean, we haven't we, – we don't know. I mean, the series is far from over, but uh, our hot take, Jesse. Oh. Uh, sorry, I don't know why my audio came out. But our hot take, 
our hot take <laughs> we said uh we said uh he might have a one or two games where he gets a little shaken up i don't know if that's gonna happen anymore he looks pretty comfortable so uh if he can keep that up and keep scoring like this then it'll be between those guys but i say right now cp3 has just a slight edge I, I may be wrong, but I feel like this year it's like the closest battle for finals MVP from the first two games. Oh, yeah. Usually, I mean, usually LeBron is in the finals, so if his team wins, he's going to get it. But then even going back, I feel like Durant, when he was winning with Golden State, he kind of pulled away from Curry pretty early on in the finals. But I, I honestly don't know who it is right now. I think probably Chris Paul is still in the lead. But, I mean, both of Devin Booker's games, it's hard to not give it to him. I honestly, I mean, it depends. It obviously depends on the next games. But for Devin Booker, I feel like the whole time we've been doing this podcast, we say the same thing, that he just keeps impressing us and showing us he's ready for the moment and all that. So I feel like I don't even need to say anything anymore. But, I mean, 12 of 25, 7 of 12 from 3, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, Devin Booker dubbed the next Kobe Bryant by many. I personally don't think he's there yet. I think he's still got more to prove. But one thing I do love, he was 0 for 4. Started, started the game 0 for 4. But ended up making 12 of 25, like you said. 7 of 12 from 3. It was that fourth quarter that, that he, the killer in him came out. I want to say he made like four threes in the fourth quarter at timely moments because it was whenever the Bucks were like, coming in close, striking distance, Devin Booker would just make a three-pointer just to extend that lead and destroy the morale of them. So Devin Booker, Shine, did his thing. Six assists, so you know he was playmaking alongside Chris Paul. It's another threat that you have to watch out because he can pass the ball. But Devin Booker in that mid-range, just that, mm-hmm. snake, that snake dribble that he does when the high pick and roll when he gets the big on top of him in and out dribble across left right and then pull up right there free throw line it's just a thing of beauty and another thing Devin Booker I gotta put give praise for his defense Devin Booker even though he's not really known as a defender he has been he has been doing some timely defensive plays when they need it most when he gets a switch on someone or when he's guarding. Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday, he makes it difficult for them. So that's something I, I, I've loved seeing on Devin Booker continue to improve, continue to show why he was an all-star, why he's a superstar, why like why did we overlook him for all those years before we, when we should have had our eyes on him. So Devin Booker, if, he's at, if, he, if he won MVP, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be upset with it. Right now, I still have Chris Paul winning just because Chris Paul is honestly is the driving force of that team. If if we're being honest, Devin Booker is uh, he's the number two guy in my opinion. But if anyone's gonna get it, it should be Chris Paul because he's. I would say just because it's just because he's the reason why they got to the finals. Not saying that Devin Booker didn't do nothing, but. That major change in the offseason came from Chris Paul. And Chris Paul continued to, like, to ball out and have his double-doubles with his assists and his points. This shouldn't be a reason why he's not MVP. So last night, after DeAndre Ayan had 
a subpar game for his standards. Another Phoenix Suns player stepped up, Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges had 27 points and seven rebounds, three of nine from the three-point line, eight of 15 from the field, and eight of eight from the free throw line. What are you guys' thoughts on this? I think we all knew that he could be that guy. I think, honestly, he's a he's kind of been like a forgotten piece of this Suns team, but like what he provides to your team is like invaluable. That's a guy that any any NBA team would want. He, he would fit in anywhere. He can shoot the ball. He can defend. He's long. He can do it. He does everything that your team needs. And, uh, and most importantly, when you need him to score, he can score. He's not afraid to shoot the ball or, or get his own bucket. So I think last night was a really good example of that. Stays calm, takes good shots. And, uh, you know, when you, when you have a guy like that who's putting up 27 already in addition to worrying about having to worry about Booker, CB3, Aiton, it's just – it's even more help for your team, you know. So a guy like that I think is someone the Suns have, like, really appreciated and used this year. A guy that I think everyone knows and respects can be, like, a really good player in this league. And I just I just think last night was another showing of that, honestly. I think he – he proved he's proved time and time again that he's a vital part of this team and they're you know that he's responsible for helping this team win when they need it yeah like like probably was saying he's like everybody wants everyone wants this type of player like a three and d guy but the thing that makes him different that kind of surprised me in this game he can once like he gets ran off the three-point line it's not like he's a fish out of water like he can still score off the dribble he could, I mean, he was eight of eight from from the free throw line. He can get fouled. He can go to the free throw line. So that's just like, and it, just another like factor to his game that the Suns must love because he's not. You see those. There's some three point shooters in the league. Once if they someone closes out on them, they kind of just pass away. They don't. There's no dribbling, creating your own shot. But it seems he has that. I think. I mean, he's just a perfect fit for this team. All their starting five is just like a perfect fit. The one game DeAndre Ayton struggles, Mikel Bridges steps up. I think this. I think the Bucks didn't really expect this, even though they should read the scouting report because Mikel Bridges, he's been doing this all playoffs long. He's been making timely buckets for them, especially that corner three point shot. I don't know what it is and how he gets open every time, but he always finds a way to get open in that corner and make those shots. And I think this was a game that the Bucks could have stolen, but like I said, every time they got close to making that run to get over that mountaintop to take a lead, they couldn't do it. And Mikael Bridges is, was a factor in that too because who would expect the – if I were to tell you Devin Booker gets – 31 points, we would expect that. If I tell you Chris Paul, he's going to get 23 points, we could expect that. DeAndre Ayton has 10 points, I wouldn't expect that. I, I think that's a struggling that's a struggle game for him. But Mikel Bridges, 27 points, I would not expect that either. So I got to give props to him, stepped up big when his team needed it, because I think if Mikel Bridges doesn't have a big game like this, the Suns lose, and we're at a yeah. one-to-one series. So, hat tip, I tip my hat to Mikel Bridge for stepping up. 
he's showing why he, maybe this is not a big three. Maybe it's a big four because he does play an important role. He is that perfect three and D guy that every team would want. So Mikhail Bridges, you did your thing, man. Salute. And for our last segment, we're going to talk about the Tory Craig injury. How do you guys think it's going to affect the Suns going forward? Because now, now that Frank Kaminsky, I mean, not Frank Kaminsky, now that uh, Dario Saric, Dario Saric is out for the playoffs. We don't know how severe this one is, but how, it's gonna it's gonna take a toll on the bench, in my opinion. Yeah, you you hate to lose. Honestly, yeah, another great defensive piece for your defense. Who the Bucks traded away. I'm sure they would have liked to have a guy like him on their team right now, but um, you know. Tory Craig is just another guy that is a positive asset for like any team. He will help you on the defensive end. He'll he'll pick up anyone, and the most important, and he can get you uh, buckets too. He can score when he needs to. So, in, in a way, I, it's completely different play styles, but like the, the same kind of value. He he brings the same thing that Bridges kind of does in a way. He he can be that guy off the bench to play defense and score for you when you need. He's not a liability on either side. So. Uh, honestly, I, I, it'll affect them, but I don't think the Suns have to worry too much. Cause I mean, this is one of like the most complete and like best teams in the NBA. I think they have talent everywhere. Um, and honestly in the, in the minutes after in the whole fourth quarter before when he went out, um, uh, yeah, it was right before that third and that he got hurt by Giannis, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah. so you know, I think honestly, I don't think it'll affect them too much. I know he's a great player and he does a lot of great things that any team would want. But um, the Suns are a deep team, and I think that fourth quarter was pretty showing. Now, Mike Budenholzer, if he's smart, might take advantage of that when some of these starters come off the floor and they don't have as many defensive players out at one time. He might attack that. I don't know, but I I think it really depends on how the Bucks choose to go about it because that bench unit is kind of diminishing every game. It's getting shorter and shorter with over these last two. So I think it's more so how the Bucks approach it rather than how it's going to affect the Suns. Cause I think regardless who they put out there, they're going to be able to play their style of basketball. That's just who the Suns are. I agree. I think it's not going to be like a, a detrimental factor to the Suns. I didn't think, I mean, it is. It's just kind of stacking onto the Dario Sarge thing. So I think the starters are just going to play more. Frank Kaminsky will probably have to play more, or uh, Nader. One of them will like get get those minutes. But if this happened like two series, like in the second round, it would be a much bigger deal, obviously, because then you'd have the more tired legs going into the finals. But since we're in the finals now, it doesn't matter as much. I feel like they're kind of just running on adrenaline. They'll all play. They already all all the starters already all play around forty minutes. I think they'll probably all get above forty now, because I mean they just have to be in. The two cams will still get their like twelve or whatever minutes, but it's I mean the Suns look too good even without Tory Craig and Sarge to to lose right now. I gotta touch on what Pravas said on the bench is diminishing. I mean, this Suns team doesn't have any doesn't have many bigs to begin with. So, who do you have playing at the best of big? They really have. Would you? I would. Cons, I want to consider Cam Johnson a big, but 
He plays that power forward role. Yeah, Drake Crowder, who can slide to the five if needed be. And then you have DeAndre Ayton. I think if you can get foul trouble on one of these guys, which I think they can do, the Bucks can do this. If Giannis wants to, when he drives in, he can get those foul calls. If Brooke Lopez gets to the paint and forces and forces DeAndre Ayton to foul and foul him, it, you got to foul out one of these starters, in my opinion, whether it be Jay Crowder. Well, not really Jay Crowder. If you go foul, you have to get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble because he's really their only center that they had, the true center that they have. And if you could take that guy out, I think it just makes what not they're smaller than that, it makes it easier for Giannis to go inside the paint and get his buckets more. Uh, Toy Craig was a vital piece for this team. He showed like he was, he was like you said, Michael, like Mikel Bridges. He was a perfect three and D guy. Could step up, could step out and shoot the three ball. Could play defense on anyone. Could switch onto anybody. Not afraid of the moment. But I think, I think if the series, the longer the series extends, it's gonna affect them way more. Whereas if the Suns are able to win at least one of these games and then close it out in say five or four. It's not looking in hindsight. It's not going to be that bad of, a, of an injury, but hopefully he comes back healthy. Hopefully we get to see him full strength because we never want to see people get hurt, especially in that way. Because it was like it looked like an ankle and a knee injury at the same time. Yeah. But hopefully he come back. He come back for game three. Nothing structural is done to his knee or his ankle, and we get a full healthy Suns team. So what are our predictions of game three? What are we going with? We're going to start with you, Prabhat. I don't think we've done our series predictions unless you guys did those Wednesday. But no, I just had a group message seven, Sunday seven. All right. I think I said something stupid like bucks and five. So I'm going to, I'm going to change that a little bit. Uh, I'm going to try and be a little more logical. I just think the way the Suns play are playing right now look too good. Uh, they, they're just they're just the most complete team in basketball this this postseason. Honestly, from top to bottom, they look great. So, with the way they're playing right now, I'm gonna say Suns in six. I don't think they're gonna. No, I'll give you like, what's your prediction sweet. for Game Three? Oh, game Three. Oof. Man, I. Mm, that's tough. I think I think I'm I think I'm gonna go Suns. Honestly, I I don't know how the Bucks are gonna respond to this. I mean, it looks it looks tough for them right now. I, I think I gotta go Suns. For for the whole series before in our group chat, I said Suns in five. So I'm gonna stick with that. It's looking. I mean, it's looking like that could happen for Game Three. I really, I really want to say uh, the Bucks are going to win. I think if Budenholzer makes some adjustments, and like Jesse was saying, if they do go after Aiton and try and get him in foul trouble, they got the crowd behind him. There's not going to be as much chanting the free throws for Giannis. Maybe he'll make <laughs> some more. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna go Bucks in Game Three, and then the Suns close him out after. I got Bucks in Game Three, and I say it's going to be a fifteen-point win. Fifteen-point okay. plus win. All right. Yeah. I think the home crowd advantage is going to help Giannis after a big game, a forty-two-point game. 
I want to see that. I think we're going to see that same energy in game three because there was a certain point in the game where Giannis was just like, like, give me the ball. And that's the Giannis that we love to, that we love to see. So I think we're going to see that Giannis. I think the home crowd advantage for him is going to step up his game. I think Drew Hall is going to live off the adrenaline from the crowd. Same thing with Chris Middleton. Hopefully, Brooke Lopez can do something. Hey, Mike Boonholzer, got to make your adjustments. If you make your adjustments, your proper adjustments, you guys are going to win this game. So I got Bucks in three. I got Bucks in game three. Hopefully, Chris, but if they do lose, it's going to come at the hands of Chris Paul because he's the vet. He's been there and done that. Definitely. So that's going to wrap up our show, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend.